Today is Monday, August 7th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today, we start off talking about repentance and judgment. What's the difference between them? When people are like, well, you know, Jesus was all about inclusivity. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he, he said, repent. That, that specifically means you need to change some things. So it's not, if he was that inclusive, he'd be like, hey, just uh, stay exactly as you are. Um, you're, so no. <laughs> and, and what is the difference between a call to repentance and judging someone? So we get into that. Um, we take critical theory in a little bit different way, which the, the incredible, willful ignorance of some people may or may not make Nate a little off his game today. I'm just dumbfounded by the unwillingness to see evidence right in front of your face that shouldn't even be a big deal. It should be a hand wave. Like, this should not be a controversial thing that incurs pushback, the the point I make. But it is, with one person. So uh, what we talk about, and I think it's a good point I heard over the weekend, was if, um, you know, taking a, a branch from the critical poison tree of critical theory— um, while we don't typically think that the doctrines of, of critical theory and oppressor oppressed amount to anything because um, it's all rubbish and godless, um, not the definitions, but the doctrines that people have made from critical theory tree. Um, anyways, but taking that and turning it around and kind of using it, uh, using their own stuff against them, for people who say that the Bible's so mean, God's so mean, oh, look at all the evil in the Bible, I submit to you that that is because they're reading the Bible as an oppressor, and it's it's right to make uh, you know for them to get a little up in arms because it doesn't feel good to be called an oppressor, does it? Anyway, and if you're reading the Bible as an oppressed, uh, you know, as someone who who can empathize with the plight of the Israelites being you know demonized, had war waged against them, against them, all these other things, and you'll read that as as divine judgment and justice uh, alleviating these people from some of their problems. So um yeah, we're, we're I'm thinking if someone wants to pray, play the critical oppressor oppressed game fine if you see evils in the bible great you're an oppressor <laughs> if you see justice and the mercy of god congratulations you're reading through the lens of the oppressed and you understand the plight of god's people all right uh some muslim stuff um you know there's good arguments against christianity and by that i don't mean like you know christianity is false i mean there's like uh, good good reasonable points like for example i'm just not convinced that would be a good argument, right? Because uh, it's subjective. Um, only God knows what it would take to convince somebody, um, really. Even if we think, well, here's evidence, here's this, here's that, here's that script, here's this. Um, we think it should convince them, but ultimately, God knows what will convince someone. And so if someone doesn't even espouse to believe in a God, they espouse they don't know or don't believe in a God, well, that would be a reasonable argument, or, you know, I'm saying good kind of as a hand wave, like good argument against Christianity. Not that it makes Christianity false, but it's like, it's it's logical. It's reasonable that, well, you're not going to believe something that you're not convinced of. Great. But then every now and then, quite often, some things come along that are just so bad. Um, <laughs> our brother Chris has a hard time being civil about it. We work on that. Oh, yeah, we, we do talk about that. We, we work on Chris's temperament. <laughs> So uh, we, you can see how that goes. Here's an example of the bad, and then we follow it with an example of the good. But some questions, you know, they, they say there's no such thing as a stupid question. Yeah, yeah, there are. There are. And you find one. So basically, it's a, it's a setup saying, well, look, uh, Jesus says he's the Alpha and Omega, and other people say he's the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So does Paul say that? 
And the whole premise is if Paul doesn't use those words, Alpha and Omega, in the beginning of the end, then Paul's preaching a different gospel. Like he says, even if an angel preaches another gospel, let them be cursed and anathema. And we're like, bro, no. Like the larger question is: Is Paul? Does Paul say Jesus is God? Did not, does Paul deny Jesus is God? Of course not. And we cite multiple verses where Paul totally, you know, talks about the deity and divinity of Jesus. Jesus is God. Paul, you know, Paul talks about this in Colossians and Philippians. Um, anyway, so to say that he must say, well, you know, Jesus is in very nature God. Also, he is the first and the last. To say that that needs to be there, um, it, uh, what fallacy is it? The exact word fallacy, there, there may be a proper name. But anyways, so it's it's just ridiculous. Um, in, anyways, and then we talk to um, another guy. That's equally as ridiculous. I'm going to say more ridiculous. Instead of looking for like a needle in a haystack to make, uh, you know, the Bible say something just like you want it to, or, you know, apparently it's all wrong. Uh, this needle in the haystack, is it John 5? I think John 5 and 39. Uh, the guy gets hung up in the middle of a sentence because he doesn't appreciate the value of a semicolon. So we'll just leave that lie. Anyways, check out the <laughs> Ask a Christian book that talks all about Christian civil discussions about religion. I keep, someone remind me, I need to, I need to send that to send that to Chris. Um, anyways, but the goal is to have civil, respectful uh, discussions about Christianity. And you can find how to do that um, with the Ask a Christian book on Amazon, available for free if you have Kindle Unlimited. You can also check out the Ask a Christian store. The links are in the chat. Grab a t-shirt. We have we have dog shirts. There's dog shirts now, little Ask a Christian doggy shirts. So if you if you love your pet and want them to be saved, uh, grab a doggy shirt from the Ask a Christian store. You can also donate. Um, our PayPal thingy donate link is in the description as well. Uh, do or don't, we'll be here as long as I can afford to pay stuff. Um, anyways, take care and have an awesome Monday. Then he's going to tell you how many Hail Marys <laughs> and how many Our Fathers. Oh, wait, by our fathers, that's like the entire Lord's Prayer, right? Like, you have to pray that that yeah. many times, is that right? Yeah. Is that, oh my gosh, so like, they they really think like God is like uh, making you come up to the chalkboard with the, uh, you know, with the chalk stick, like, right? I will not chew gum in class. I will not chew gum in class. Like, our father, like that? Yeah. Like, that gets your brownie points with God? Yeah, dude. That, that Man, really dude, applies how, just, how? just how? Just how? Oh, that, that reminds me of, oh, oh ah. Dude, you sent so many good, so many good topics. It's like topic overload. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, like last, last Friday was, was it Friday? That was great. Like that was good fun had by all. Well, I mean, from our standpoint, I mean, for others, you know, we're, we're bigots among bigots. Yeah. Um, for those listening and don't know what we're talking about, it's actually not bigots. We're just, you know, talking about maybe an actual bigot. Uh, but because of that, we're the bad guys. Um, but between that topic, it's like, well, look, if someone's like, uh, you know, when we're talking about like, you know, Lizzo assaulting people and Catholics making you right, making like right on church boards or whatever. And someone's like, I just want to know how to find eternal life. I'm like, well, crap. How do we have our cake and eat it too? Like, how do we, how do we have our fun yet? Not too much fun where we, uh, you know, completely like go off the rails and I don't know, God passes over people because of our, uh, are fun and entertainment. I know you don't think that because if God's going to pluck them up, he's going to pluck them up in spite of us, but I'd, I'd rather not make him do extra work. But we don't need to make God work in overtime. Anyway, yeah, okay, so so one thing I saw to, one thing I saw today, do you have that thing, apparently Apple's had it a long time, and, you know, Android's like the Luddite trag, trag along or whatever. 
but uh, where you can take a screenshot and then you can scroll down and scroll down and make like a really long vertical picture. No, no, no idea what I'm talking about. Did the rapture just happen? Okay. Anyways, there's this feature. I'm sure you have it. Maybe your son can tell you about it if you don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so there was this post on Facebook because that's where it always starts. And some, some like ridiculous progressive person posted, progressive Christian posted something about the reason the church is failing and the reason people have problems with churches is because, um, it is because like, you know, you're not supposed to be calling out their sin, right? Like, and they post that verse, like, you know, what do we have to do with judging the world? But it's not like just because, you know, we tell people like, you know, there's a thing called sin, have eternal life, repent, turn from that sin. That doesn't mean we're like hardcore judging people, not like in the church where we're like, hey, get it together or you can't stay here. Um, so it's just like hate, right? If you disagree with someone, people want to call that hate. It's not freaking hate. If you want hate, we can show you hate. I mean, I, I will tell you what it is because I don't actually want to hate, but I can, I can give you an idea. I can give you a crash course on what hate is. It's not disagreeing with you. Just like judging people is not a call to repentance. And if you if you conflate those two and think judging is a call to repentance, then just burn me at the stake because that's what we're going to do. So that Jesus is always about acceptance. And, you know, he always talks about, uh, you know, inclusion. It, it's just such such rubbish. So I just like did a quick, uh, you know, chat GPT is a really good like uh, armchair theologian, like just like a really quick reference. I mean, you know, you, you got to like pay attention because sometimes they'll throw some stuff in there. But I'm just like. <clears throat> I call it bro. I'm just like, bro, bring up all the scriptures where Jesus talks about repentance. I had to make this vertical screenshot, like four pages long. Like you, you can hardly see it. You have to like zoom in because it's so long. <laughs> and it's just, uh, let's say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, at least nine instant uh, verses directly dealing with repentance. So I'm like to try to say that you have to like embrace people's lifestyle and just like tell them about, you know, like, like, Hey, come to church. You know, we, we embrace your sin. Uh, actually, it's not sin. We just embrace you. Jesus, what about Jesus? No, he's just a dude. He's fine. But we want you. We love you just the way you are. Never change. And maybe someday we'll tell you about an ethereal energy God. Anyway, so I'm just like, look, you can't you can't say that. If you, I mean, if you can Google in five minutes, it's like, you know, uh, from that time, Jesus began to preach. Repent and believe the good news. Repent or you too will perish. Unless you repent, you will perish. Uh, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Uh, from the third day, uh, Jesus will die for, uh, repentance for the forgiveness of the sins will be preached in his name to all nations. There you go. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Uh, let's see. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns, uh, because the miracles he has, the miracles he performed in them because they did not repent, did not repent. Um, it'll be more preferred in Tyre and Tyre and Sidon. Uh, because they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. So to say there's not a call for repentance and try to conflate repentance with judgment, that, uh, what does the Southern way of saying that? Is like sticks in my craw? Is that is that like the Southern way of saying that, Chris? Are you back yet? Okay, well, that's all yeah, I got for today. I'm back for, <laughs> I'm back for a few minutes. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to get my father-in-law out the door uh, so I can go to work. But, uh, no, you're, yeah. You're 100% right. Yeah, repent all through the scripture, like not just Jesus. So, so where do you uh, where do you draw a line with uh, repent, uh, repentance and uh, judginess? Where's like the cutoff? Or, I mean, 
it's people have a wrong idea of what judging is. When we judge others, it is people who are inside the church, and it's to decide whether or not they should remain inside the church. It's not, oh, I'm judging your sin because I'm so much better. Like that's a that's a straw man of judgment. But when it says, what does the what is what do we have to do with you know judging outside of the church, like? We're not going to remove somebody from the church who's not a part of the church. <laughs> so we can't really actually judge anybody. You know, if people feel like we are being judgmental, I'm sorry, that's just ah. Uh, so that's what you would say. Is like like ju- so like judgment is like uh, is like judicious. Like judgment would be like pronouncing judgment. And so if you're judging someone, you're like, you have sinned. You're a member of the body of the Christ. We must put you out. Like that is judgment. Hundred percent, right, right, Marky. It's an yeah. It's, I was gonna say it's an evaluation, um, which is what I tell people when we have that conversation. I'm like, you make judgments all the time. When you decide you like, you know, you think pizza's better than burgers, that's a judgment. That's literally what a judgment is, from the linguistic contextual understanding. It's an evaluation of a thing or on of the merits of a thing, right? Just that's what a judgment is. So people saying, oh, you're being judgmental and you're not supposed to judge is really them saying, and then even if they don't understand it, they mean it because they're saying, I don't want you to evaluate the rightfulness or wrongfulness of my actions at all. I don't want you to evaluate or make any kind of determination of how right or wrong I am, but just accept my actions as they are, which basically means take everything I'm doing right or wrong as right dangerous no, I, don't, I don't think it's that what it is is that if somebody can't provide like a a good reason for why you shouldn't be doing the thing that you're doing i think that's more when people get frustrated right like for example if i was like eating a red ice pop and someone was like you really shouldn't eat those um and that's really disgusting and then i was just like well why like what's the issue and then they're just like well you just shouldn't um I think things like that is more so when people get frustrated, right? But, like, generally, if someone provides, like, a reason for, like, you shouldn't eat that red ice pop, I'm like, why? It's like, oh, the red food dye is made from, like, toxic parts from insects to get that color. Um, and it's really, really unhealthy for you. Then it'd be like, oh, all right, you know? Well, that's but a good rolling, point that's, your, that well, well, hang on. I was going to say, people. fast, did anyone else, is anyone else having, like, clubhouse problems? Like, six people I just saw, like, vanish instantly. Maybe they just got real convicted. Anyways, Roland, <laughs> by that logic, though, so, I mean, the conversation should go somehow like this, right? Um, you shouldn't do that. Why not? Because the Bible says so. I don't care about your God or what your rules are. Okay, have a nice day. And, oh, okay, well, great. I respect your beliefs, but I don't want to participate in part ways. I, I mean, that, that's about how that should go. But whenever it goes that way, like, you usually have, like, one of two sides. And it's either, like, the religious person that wants to harp on it and, you know, never mentions anything about the ultimate point, which is... is Jesus, but you know, they focus on these sins that their Bible calls and their religion calls wrong in the eyes of their God. And then they'll like, people are like, okay, great. Thanks. We don't want to hear that. And the religious person keeps like beating them over the head with it. Um, or <laughs> you'll have the religious person who will say something like that. And then the other side who should just be like, oh, thanks. I, I, you know, I appreciate your fervor, but I don't want anything to do with that. So leave me in peace. And if the religious person's like, okay, bye, I've said my piece. Then the other side will like, you know, turn around and really like get attacky and start like beating them over the head, uh, m- metaphorically, hopefully. Um, anyways, but I, I think, uh, you know, 
if you don't want if you want to eat red food dye after I've told you that you know it's made from insect bugs and red 40 is going to like kill you um fine I said my piece so I respect your you know right to go ahead and drink red 40 and then Nate that's that's two groups of people but then you'll have another group of people who will profess to be Christians but not live that way but then say hey this is the reason that we turn people away from the church because you said something about the way I'm living versus just loving me through quote unquote my process. So it's not even people who say, oh, I'm not interested in this. You'll have also a third group of a lot of people who will say, yeah, I'm accepting Christ or I believe in Christ, but I still don't want to be corrected about things that the Bible explicitly says. And the way that verbalizes itself to your point, Roland, is it's not a matter of give me a reason. It's a matter of you don't have the right or the place to make a statement that is corrective or, um, you know, any kind of rebuke. Or I, yeah, I'll just say corrective. You don't have the place to do that because my relationship is between me and God. So you have no say, no thought. You should have no opinion about the consistency of my actions with scripture. You'll get a lot of people who name the name of Christ who come from that way. And they will say, hey, you guys are being holier than thou or holy rulers or judgmental. And I mean those people who are professing to be within the Christian community. Who will then quote you wanna, Matthew 7, I believe. Judge not, lest ye also be judged. Do you want to respond to that, Rowan? Or go ahead and say anything else here on stage 4-2? I think what you're saying is fair. Um, in terms of, especially if there's not like that high pressure element to it. I do think, though, that sometimes what people can miss, though, is like... Um, there still is an element of like frustration though, if you're someone who's not religious, right. And you've heard a lot of individuals saying things like they, that you should uh, have this belief or you're going to burn in hell, these types of things. And um, they say, you know, cause it's more in line with what they're used to in terms of like that type of speech. But for somebody else who's like not part of that and somebody's trying to tell them not to do something cause they're like going to get tortured for eternity. And they're simultaneously saying like, um, that that's like an acceptable thing, right? Uh, it, it can be a bit frustrating to hear something like that, especially like if you're like more in the Bible belt or something, and that's something you hear a lot. Um, and there isn't any kind of like contextualization to justify that that's in fact going to happen. Um, I could understand someone getting like frustrated from uh, being approached that way, even, even if the person just like does it once and uh, doesn't continue pressuring, they probably hear it so often, you know? I'm, well, I mean, well, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe at one point the Bible Belt, I wonder how Bible Belt the Bible Belt really was. I know it got, I, and I'm from there. I grew up there my whole life, uh, most of it. And I, I mean, as far as I know, it's called the Bible Belt because, you know, there's just lots of churches and people were generally religious. But I mean, you know, I, I lived like my whole life there. I, and, you know, I was in several, several cities from small to big to rural areas, like all, all over the, the Bible Belt. And you know, I would go out in the city, go out to the city centers, go out to the malls, go out places. And I can't even think of a time where I've witnessed, witnessed like a, a street preacher or a group or, or anything like that. So I don't know if I'm just like woefully like ignorant to this, but I mean, I, I've had my entire life experience there, you know, up until like 10 years ago, which I mean, it's gotten less Bible Belt, not more. But when people say that, I'm like, how do you do this? Do you like walk into churches and people tell you about Jesus and then you say religious like persecution or something? Or like, how do you find these people? Like, do I just like somehow avoid like the, the street pastors that are there somewhere? 
Because uh, I, I don't know. I wonder, like, all these people will come up with these, like, outlandish experiences. Like, you know, their encounters with street preachers, how they were yelling and screaming at them. I'm like, where do you find them? Like, this this is a pretty rare experience. And I grew up there my whole life. So, in, anyways. Um, oh, but, yeah, I, I get the in New York. They're around. So, okay. So, how do you find these people? Yes, <laughs> anyways, you're the slumlordist um, Jezebel. <laughs> that's how it was actually um, my sister we were we were at like if you guys are familiar with kingdom bound there's like a group of christians it's like the warp tour for christians you know and they go to all these six flags parks <laughs> but anyway there was like a my sister was all was like she dressed a lot less modestly than i did and she got yelled at by a street preacher at kingdom bound no, for being close. a whore for having short shorts at a at a christian concert but that's the only other time that's the only time that's happened yeah then you have an experience that i i have not had um but Rowan, <clears throat> I do get your point how it's frustrating, um, but but I think, you know, that goes to like, you know, personality types and, you know, how people are generally just on hair triggers and there's more unreasonable people than reasonable on both sides, the, the theist or none. Um, no one's immune. It's just like which personality type they have. Like for, for me, it's not fun. And I think it goes to convictions. Like, you know, do you really believe what you say you believe? Or if you're an agnostic where you don't really know, um, I can see how that could be troubling because you're like, I don't know this hell thing. There's. I don't see any evidence that would convince me, but I don't know. So are they right? I don't know. Yeah. And you take that frustration out on them instead of inquiring deeper. But I think, you know, if someone is truly convinced that what they believe is the closest to accurate, um, you know, like I will use myself as an example. Like I, I think what I believe is the closest to accurate. And I fully expect, you know, all this to be realized when I die and leave this world. Um, so it's not fun for people of other religions to tell me that unless I, you know, stop being my, my Christian self, and convert to whatever their belief is, I'm going to burn in their version of hell or come back as a banana slug. Like while, while it's not fun to hear that I'm confident in what I believe. So I'm like, okay, well I hear that respectfully. I disagree with you. So whatever. And I think if more people were like that or convinced in what they believed, um, maybe it'd be a little more civil, but it, ma it makes me wonder like if they're just like the fly off the handle type that are just looking to be offended. Um, or if maybe they're really not so sure about what they believe, so on, on some like sub like sub level like subconscious level, that kind of kind of triggers them. I don't have an answer. That's just my thoughts. Uh, feel free to respond if you like. Otherwise, hey Kevin, what's up? I had a little comment about what. Marcus said. Is oh, it sure, Marquis or Marcus? It's Marquis. It's a mixture Marquise. of what she said. It's okay. Marquis, but you pronounce the S because we're not in France. Well, that makes sense. I've been calling you Marquis for like two years now. I'm sorry. That's because <laughs> like a billboard. <laughs> That's hilarious. You know, when we back channel, I get it right. Okay. But saying it out loud. You totally do. You totally yeah, right? do. It's so um, I just wanted our, to. We're sorry, I, brother billboard. <laughs> I wanted to, say, <laughs> brother billboard. I wanted to say one thing about what you said. How you had said that about taking correction and and um, you know from non-believers, and you said my relationship is between me and God, and so I get a little like prickly when I hear that because <laughs> there are so many people who say you can't judge me, and I know you didn't mean it that way. But would you would you think it's accurate to say that your belief is between you and God and the body of believers? Like that's, to, yeah, that's what do you absolutely think? what I would say. 
Um, okay, yeah. That's absolutely what I would say. And so, yeah, we're on the same page. <clears throat> I'm not sure exactly when you came in, but yeah, um, that's exactly what I'm saying. That that statement of, oh, this my relationship is between me and God, as if you could have an individual island of relationship and not be accountable to the body of believers. It's it's postmodern. It's it makes everything subjective. Hey, you know, then people people will employ that scripture, you know, oh, work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. That means that, you know, I get to determine what's Christian like or not Christian like according to my own personal convictions and private interpretations of scripture. That's what people are saying, but they won't vocalize it that way. They'll simply say, You can't really judge me and you're not in a place. You don't have the right or authority. You know, hmm. who are you? Who are you to judge me is what people will say. You know. Gotcha. Okay, I didn't realize that you were representing the other side. I thought you were saying that was your own position. So, okay, uh, no, I'm glad I asked. Thank no, you. Definitely <laughs> not. Definitely not, Steph. I definitely think we're I don't want to say the body of believers. I don't want to say I'm representing the other side, but I'm sure we'll don't all agree. Don't you do it, Nate. Don't uh, you don't you stir the pot this morning. It. He's gonna. Well, do I'm sh- it. I'm sure we'll all agree. Uh, okay, let's go extreme because you know I-, I usually try to go extreme so everyone can just be like, yes, we get it. Um, like it, you know, if my church, the body quote body of believers, was like, hey, Nate, you shouldn't talk about gay people because you know God's cool with that, and here's the Queen James Bible. I'm like, ooh, no, no, that's bad. They're like, you're accountable to us. You're accountable to us. I'm like, no, it is between me and God right now. So I'm gonna go find a different body of believers. So, I mean, obviously, if they're saying something that's unscriptural, but if it was reversed and the, the body of believers was saying, no, guys, look, this, what you're doing is unbiblical. Here it is right here in the Bible. And I'm like, no, no, no. Gay is the way. Um, you know, then that perhaps would be a time for a different conversation. And I know we're all I, I know we would all agree with that. But how would you express that stuff? Since, you know, right now it's it stands that the body of believers uh, and God and you. So how would you say that if the body of believers is clearly wrong? Well, right. So I guess in the early church, we see the phenomenon of them developing this system of governing and meeting together under political persecution and in a very different environment than what we can imagine in America. And so they were seeking guidance from Paul often, right? Or other people that Paul had sent to them. In the modern era, I suppose it ends up being like you don't marry the church like this is why I take church membership so seriously is like you don't commit to a church until you've found your group of people whose doctrine you trust and who you trust to hold you accountable because exactly that if you're in a in a church body of people that you don't necessarily trust and they correct you on something you can dismiss and say well I have this difference with them and da 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 so I guess what I would say is that the church that you commit to you are also committing to being corrected by that body. Does that make, like, I don't know if my view on that is correct, but that's that's what I would say, is that you're not going to join the church that would push you into uh, accepting LGBTQ or something. For once, I completely agree with slumlordist Jezebel. For once? Oh, Come on, man. Wow. Come on. <laughs> triggers. The triggers there, Chris. No, no, I would say, I would say, yeah, for sure. Um, and it also has to do with what leads people to different churches. You know, if people are going for smoke screens and dry ice, you know, and how they emotionally feel when they're chasing experience. Oh, then, no, you're well, cutting out. Must right be because there, I like smoke screens and dry ice. <laughs> oh, snap. Am I back in or am I still uh, Yeah, yeah, you're good now. 
Right. So I think, um, you know, people are chasing experiences, so they don't even go through a proper evaluative process when they're thinking about right. what local as- assembly to to ascribe to. And also, when I say body of believers, I'm thinking more along the lines of, you know, what we talked about some point last week. You know, uh, uh, Chris mentioned, you know, in terms of, you know, the universal church and by universal church, I mean what has been believed everywhere, you know, by all, you know, true believers at all times, you know, that that kind of thing. And so what has been believed by believers since the beginning is that homosexuality is wrong. Right. So regardless of whatever local assembly, when I say when I say body of believers, I'm more referring to what is authentic Christian faith from the beginning and is held by authentic Christians since that time. Well, that is the goal. And I guess I wonder, Nate, like if you were in just based on what you said, if you were in a men's group, right, you and you felt pretty close to these guys, you would count this as like, at least say you're in a group of five, and a couple of them are your inner circle, you know, maybe you don't love every, if they came to you and said, hey, we have this point of correction that we'd like to make, do, like, are you saying that you would rather be in a position where you can dismiss them? If you don't agree, like, how much do you weigh the men around you of faith that you trust versus your own personal conviction? So, so, Good question. I, I, I guess I won't really know until we have a until we have a topic of disagreement and, you know, how much I know about these people and how much I, you know, like, let's just say I, well, yeah, I don't know. And unless I know what, you know, what the topic is and how much I value their, their opinions or knowledge or, or insight. Uh, oh, maybe I haven't. Oh, I do have an example. Okay. Oh, I do. Wow. This is great. So uh, a positive and negative. So um, the First of all, it's like when an atheist asks, like, you know, like, how do you know, you know, your subjective experiences lead you to believe in God? How do you how do you know that's right? Why do you claim that, you know, this is the way and, uh, you know, you're not brainwashed or yada, yada, yada. It's like, well, generally, I have an experienced track record that, you know, more times than not. I, I mean, as far as this point goes, like, I, I've never been in a sane asylum or anything like that. I'm not used to, like, seeing things that aren't there. Like, you know, there's no documented, uh, you know, history of um you know, like seeing aliens or anything like that. So generally speaking, I have a decent head on my shoulders and I can take in data and I can critically think my way to a conclusion. That's why I trust myself. Um, so it doesn't make me immune from like brainwashing or something like that. But generally speaking, I think most people can trust themselves. Uh, anyway, so if um, if there was something like, um, well, you know, like the, the gay thing or inclusive thing, I'd be like, okay, well, I trust myself over you guys because I read the Bible. And my interpretation of the Bible, a straightforward reading, it's in more than one place. It's in quite a few places. There's really no way around this. So if I'm wrong, then fine. I'll take that responsibility. But I am sure that on this, I am right and you four are wrong. Um, However, to the other side, uh, if there were me and, you know, four Chris's and, you know, we were going through like the, the pastor requirements. And stuff like that. Like that's probably the most recent thing I've like, I've kind of like changed my mind on, <laughs> um, to to the detriment, Steph. Sorry, um, because you know church authority and church leadership is not something that I I, I really participate in. I'm not a pastor or anything like that. So you know these other people, uh, you know the four Chris's would have more experience and and you know have dug into that more deeply. So whenever they pointed out things, I was resistant at first. I'm like, okay, well, uh, I, I think I'm right and I think you're wrong. And then <clears throat> I was still prompted by the points that were made. 
So I went back and I looked and I really like dug into it. I'm like, you know, even if it's a technicality or whatever, like if you just want to like read it as written, then I, I mean, this is correct. There's really no wiggle room around it. So I reevaluated. So anyway, uh, sorry to be so long. I guess that's just me. But uh, yeah, but so there's an example still, of you'll 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 still rely on your own understanding when being corrected by a body of trusted believers. Well, like give that a, given that example. Like I mean, if there's something that's just so wrong, um, then then yeah. I mean, wouldn't you if like women are like, okay, Steph, now um, you know we're we're gonna. I, Sorry to the LGBTPS people. This this is just so so prevalent, um, you know, in our culture that this is just a great example. If they're like, okay, uh, Steph, you know, we've all you know read that the Bible, you know, was it's marriage is between a man and a woman, and that's it. But we've recently had, uh, you know, we've studied this a lot more in depth, and we we realized that it was just a, a metaphor, and you know, God really just wants you to be happy. So whoever you love is fine. Yeah, if that's a, quote, body of trusted believers, they've clearly fallen off the wagon somehow all of them at once. So you would have to be like, no, I'm right. You're wrong. Like the Bible was right. I'm following the Bible. You all are mistaken. I'm sorry. I'm going to go with the Bible. Like you would do that, right? You wouldn't yeah, be like, course, OK, well, let me get my thick rim glasses. Yeah, maybe I'm asking the question differently, wrong, because it sounded like what Marquise was responding to was actually a, a person who's not a Christian trying to correct a Christian. So um, I think that what I'm describing more <laughs> is when you're in a situation of personal correction, not of doctrinal study. So an example. Yeah, like if someone's pointing out sin. Yeah, I, I think I get it. Like, I, yeah. I was I was just trying to like throw on the other side because you know if, if you can't say absolute, because if it's like absolute, then that means like times like that would apply. But yeah, so if if it's like personal correction, like if they're like uh, Nate, hey, you're you're in sin because look here here the Bible says you know you should be uh, you should be hang on why why me why am I in this let's put Chris in the hot seat. So if Chris, uh, I'm like look Chris, uh, you know a couple of us has, have been talking and uh, you know the Bible talks about being slow to anger. And, you know, a gentle answer turns away wrath. And, you know, we think maybe maybe you're a little hotter in the collar sometimes, buddy. Um, you know, here's some Bible verses that say, you know, you should be a little more gentle and respectful. <clears throat> and uh, he's like, uh, oh, you're right, guys. Uh, that is a problem. I am working on it. Uh, yes, I understand. I, I need to be be more like more like this. You're right. Well, yeah, I would take that correction. I mean, you know, if they're like, hey, we noticed this about you and, you know, your life doesn't line up with the Bible. Yeah, I would take that. But then again, if they're like, hey, your life doesn't line up with the Bible because it says you're supposed to live at peace with all people, and that includes LGBT people. And I'm like, well, yeah, I want to live at peace with them. It's like, well, no, if you speak out against them and tell them that's sin, that's not peaceful. So, you know, tell them they're fine and affirm them. Um, I'm like, well, no, uh, that's not a problem. That's not a problem with me. That is, you know, calling people to repentance and calling out sin. I don't know, Steph. I, I'm really trying to work with you. I'm, I, no, no, you got I, I think what we landed at is that doctrinal, you know, you're, you're not something that you're, you're giving an example that very clearly is um, like laid out in the Bible. And so that's one thing. But uh, my initial impression from what you said is that you wouldn't take personal correction over your own personal conviction. And I thought that was interesting, but it sounds like that's not the case. So, yeah, I mean, if it was like, yeah, I, I don't know, like, it, it's hard to like navigate. It'd be nice if Father Chris would speak. But I mean, if it's clearly pointed out in the Bible, um, 
I, I mean, you know, the greatest example is is the pastor thing, you know, because I, I had a very different view for a while. Um, and then I, I kind of changed over time. But then I, I really changed it. Uh, you know, when I, I finally it was pointed out to me multiple times and I'm like, OK, well, let me just really dig into this. And I'm like, huh, I was wrong. Uh, I believe I was wrong and I believe they're right. So there we go. Well, I mean, I guess that's doctrine again. But OK, Steph, just just tell me what to believe and I'll believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Pastor Steph is on it. How many help? Just tell me um, how many Hail Marys I got to do for that one. No, Monica I says think, 42 okay. in the chat. What? Monica in the chat says 42 Hail Marys, which I think, I think is maybe a Douglas Adams reference. Monica is Catholic, so she would know. Um, I think. Monica, correct me. I'm pretty sure you're Catholic. Um, okay. Yeah. No, I think that my, my, uh, my thought there was that in my own life, I rely so much on correction and understanding from people wiser than me that uh, this is this just may be a thing that ends up being important for me and isn't a concern for others. So I don't know. I just I just well, thought it well, was then interesting. Why haven't you followed Chris's instruction and become a Calvinist? <sighs> because Chris may or may not be wiser than me. I don't know. Jerry's out. <laughs> Just kidding. Chris is definitely smarter than me. It's a, you know, if he wasn't a Calvinist, I'd probably take what he said. Book smarts or street smarts? Possibly both. I am not smarter than anybody. I am a dummy. But what I would say is I have a series of articles for you, Steph, from a Methodist organization called Renew.org that is the absolute best series of articles I have ever read on women in the ministry. Like, and I'm talking like, I've read a bunch of stuff about this, this little series of articles. It's like maybe 60,000 words. Okay. So it's not, it's not crazy, but it's like, it's about 15 articles and it is so in depth, so good. And like these Methodist ministers are knocking it out of the park. I mean, their exegesis is impeccable. Like their reasoning is great. Their history is awesome. Like it, it is the most succinct amount of words on this topic. So I'll send that to you. It's a bunch of links. Yeah, go ahead. But, then I have a question for you that was asked okay. of me, but I don't know where you stand. They, they asked me. Oh, is this what our your reprobate thoughts? friends? No. <laughs> was it? No. I can't remember who asked me. It was a single person who wanted to know that. Anyway. The question was, uh, do you think that women can prophesy, both of you? If it still existed, sure. Yep. I mean, what do they mean by prophesy? What does that even mean? Like, can women foretell the scripture? Sure. My wife does it all the time. Can women foresee the future? I don't think men or women have that ability any longer because I believe that that gift has ceased because we have the canon. I have a high view of scripture, not a low view of scripture. And you were uh, on the phone. No, I heard, I ignored it and I heard you, but it still showed the icon. So I have so a high view of Paul scripture. I don't think anybody is speaking direct words of God anymore. So when Paul is instructing women on prophesying, you don't think that they, you don't think that applies to women today? He doesn't think it applies to anyone today. Yeah, I think that I think that again, the gift of prophecy was a stopgap measure because there was no canon, and there were New Testament prophets like 
um, the daughters of, I don't remember the dude's name, um, and, uh, you know, Agabus and all these other people we see running around in the book of Acts. The need for those people expired with the finishing of the canon. So, and First Corinthians was one of the very first books read, or written, rather, of the Apollyan epistles. So I, I would maybe, like, we haven't really talked about it, but when people, like, you know, start, start like, um, throwing out things like, you know, words of knowledge or, um, you know, prophecy, or they, they confuse or conflate, like, I don't think Chris uh, thinks this happens, but I totally, you know, believe, you know, God can speak and move the heart and, you know, like, um, I don't know, like God can communicate to you, but it's not going to be like, you know, like a, a prophet, like, you know, that would be scripture for all people. So, you know, maybe you feel, a, I don't know, maybe you feel an inkling or a conviction to, to do something or tell someone something or encourage somebody, um, you know, which would probably be with a Bible verse or something. But I, I think, you know, you could be moved to do things like that. Um, I, I'm not sure if Chris even thinks that much, sure. but as far as like, you know, when we, when we talk, okay. But whenever we talk about like prophecy, like things like, you know, do this, thus saith the Lord. Um, I, I think like when people talk about that, they're saying prophecy in that regard. If it's like that level, it basically needs to be another book in the Bible. And since we don't believe, you know, the Bible talks about don't add to or take away from the word. Um, you know, we believe in Revelation, the canon is closed, it's fulfilled. So because we don't believe there will ever be another book in the Bible, um, we we believe that the thus saith the Lord, do this or this, like that type of like, you know, uh, like old school prophet, um, that's not a thing. So while, while you could say, people would say, you know, I received a prophecy. And what they really mean is, you know, this verse of the Bible is for you. Great. I hear that as, you know, you were compelled, you were convicted to share this Bible verse. You're just wrongly calling it a prophecy or a word of knowledge. And, you know, that's fine. Um, Anyway, did I make a bigger mess? Can I ask Chris a question on that note? Uh, well, hang on. I, I wanted to see if... Makes sense. No, I agree with you totally. Yeah, yeah, so like prophet, like, like, prophet, like, you know, parting the waters, like, thus saith the Lord, um, all these things, Ezekiel, Isaiah. No, that's not a thing. Um, anyone else that, like, says, I have a prophecy for you, and they say it meaning that type of thing? No, that's wrong. If they say that and it's basically like quoting a Bible, like the, the closest someone can be to like an old school prophet right now is basically just reading the Bible. So if you want to be a quote, big P, I mean, this can't happen, but if you wanted to be a quote, big P prophet, just go out on the street and start shouting revelation at people. That's the best chance you got. You're, you're giving prophecy um, because it's already in the Bible. <laughs> so, so the point of that is you're not going to be a big P prophet because you're, you're just spouting the Bible. <laughs> yeah. yeah who, who had a question for Chris? Harold. What's up, Harold? Morning, y'all. Um, so, Chris, I would love, I would love to hear your take on this. Then, when Moses, when Moses said that he would, that all God's people be prophets, what does that look like, or how do you understand that? How do you understand the words of Moses when he said that? He would that all God's people be prophets. Um, I'm not entirely sure of the verse you're talking about. You're talking about Moses have, or Paul? Do you have that a he verse would rather that other people would prophesy? No, it was, yeah, it was. No, nah, it was Moses. He said he would that all God's people be prophets. 
I just don't know the context. I don't know anything about it. I mean, I'm sure well, I read it. You, you brought it up. Do you have the verse reference? Yeah, uh, Numbers 11, chapter, or Numbers chapter 11, verse 29. He says, uh, I'll just, I'll read a few verses. I ain't going to read too many of them. Um, it says, but there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of, uh, the name of one was Eldad and the name of the other Medad and the spirit rested upon them and they were of them that were written, but I read it in NASB instead. It's a little weird. Uh, those had been registered, but had not gone out of the tent. And they prophesied in the camp. So a young man ran and informed Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the personal servant of Moses from his youth, responded and said, My Lord, Moses, restrain them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? If only all the Lord's people were prophets that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. What's your understanding of that? Sorry, I'm trying to walk and chew gum at the same time. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty clear. He's, he's just, it's, an, it's, an, it's an expression. He's not saying everybody's going to be a prophet. He's not saying that he wishes everybody to be a capital P prophet. What he's saying is, I wish that people were godly. Are you jealous that these people have been touched by the Lord and that they have been, you know, prophesying? I wish that, because remember, the context of this is Moses constantly frustrated with the children of Israel. Because every time he turns around, he, you know, he turns his back for five minutes and all of a sudden they're like having orgies. And he's like, what is going on with these people? And he's constantly frustrated and he's constantly begging God not to destroy his people, Israel. <laughs> like, so he's like. You know, in this particular context, he's just saying, I wish that everybody were, you know, prophesying. That'd be great. I wish everybody were godly. That's all that means. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, would, it would be quite different if he said, you know, um, you all shall be God's prophets. But I mean, you know, if, if only you were God's prophets. I, I mean, I'm thinking, sure, you know, no, you know, I, I enjoy my life. You know, no one knows the day or the hour. But uh, if only the rapture could happen in about five minutes. If only. It doesn't mean it's unbiblical. It doesn't mean it's ungodly. Uh, you know, it just means I'm wishing. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. No, and actually, I'd probably need about 20 minutes to really, uh, really give some good prayers. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I was uh, wanting to know from Chris. Chris, did you get my back channel about that book? Uh, maybe. Can you, send, can you just send me another message that comes yeah, I got you. Mr. Michael, good morning. Sorry, sorry, Harold. I just get a lot of back channels. So I'm not, I, I would never purposely ignore you. I just, I really probably just, from who? I, I like rarely get any. I got one from Michael. Really? It makes me feel, makes me feel special. Yeah, I, I mean, rarely get them. <laughs> I get probably a dozen or two back channels a day. They're probably all threats. Yeah. <laughs> Meet well, me on the field of battle. You know what? 10 of them. <laughs> Ten of them the other day were me and Steph talking about magic corners. So, you know. Oh, yeah. About magic what? 
corner like shelves magic corners some amazing engineer developed this like alternative to the lazy susan it's brilliant we should talk about huh well let's see what michael has to say michael what's uh you want to weigh in on magic corners yeah it's not a thing um but, um <laughs> oh rude yeah. atheist about magic corners man i've heard some um, disbelief but we have actual video evidence of this that that would be something else. Um, it, it's it's funny. even if you put it right in front of their face, they will still disbelieve. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, it, it, it's it's funny. Um, I was listening to a bunch of what was said when Steph was talking about you know the the prophesying and stuff like that. You know, asking if it still happened and in my head. I'm like, well, it never happened at all. Um, but it, it it's kind of it's kind of funny. The the kind of the um how kind of, you know, the, the, the kind of patriarchal nature bleeds through, right? Like, oh, you know, women can't do that kind of stuff, um, which just kind of makes me giggle a little bit. But then, uh, Nate, the title of your room, how many Hail Marys do you have to do for last week? Um, it, well, <laughs> it, not that that would do anything, but probably all of them. I don't think there's a set number. I think there, it's infinite, right? Is there is it infinite? I, like, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's purgatory. You can you can do your penance in purgatory for several million years. Yeah, and if you if you but if you but if you pay the church enough, then you can get some relief from that, right? This is a hundred percent true. You're not. I getting, don't have like, that much money. I mean, so check this out. You so, can follow Nate, the Pope on Twitter. We should do. You, Wait, did you know that you can you can you can pay you can off the Pope? by following oh, yeah. the Pope on Twitter. Or, yeah, you get you well, get like a million no. years off on purgatory for following no, the Pope on Twitter. No, he actually said indulgences. That. A few indulgences. But you could also alternatively. Wow, Mother Steph. Yes, yeah, keep on and, going. Great. and you could climb that staircase on your knees, which I'm actually considering. Yeah. Wait, wait Twitter staircase? What? No, no the, the, the the ladder in the ladder in church in Rome. So like, it's not a, it's oh, off the yeah, beaten path. Yeah. So like, if you're yeah. a tourist and you ask to go to the ladder in church, they're gonna look at you funny. They're gonna be like, the what now? Because nobody ever goes there. Um, yeah. Even Catholics don't know about it. I'm going to do And so, it. like, yeah. And so, um, but for you, you're a Methodist, so they're going to put spikes on the on the stairs for you. So. Who's a Methodist? That's all right. Me. Meth. Meth. Not Steph. Meth. Well, yeah. I'm a Wesleyan. Well, that's... I'm a Wesleyan, but the Free Methodist, uh, I, I tend to go to the Free Methodist Church if I can find one. I guess I did not know that. But since all the ones in her area have apostatized, she has no choice. That's correct. Anyway. There are two, and they both have female pastors, which is not, that's not a, I, that's like a weird thing, because I have never seen a free Methodist church with a female pastor. But I mean, I'm back on the matriarchy. Yeah. And by the way, oh, uh, Michael, oh. the patriarchy oh. is good and right and should be promoted at all costs. Really? Oh boy, Chris? that's gonna the damage control from today is gonna be big. I well, hang Hard on. Disagree. Let he's me get, add something else. He's, Go ahead, he's gonna get a lot more than a dozen uh, back today. Uh, Chris, I would like to run something by you. I heard over the weekend. Um, I, I thought you know sometimes it's fun to like use use the opposition side and tactics against them. So to that point. Uh, someone over the weekend said, um, you know, they vaguely touched on like, you know, critical theory and stuff like that, but their idea, they didn't talk a whole lot about that specifically, but their idea was, look, all these people that have a Bible, like, you know, God is so evil. All these people are so evil, but it's so evil. It's all evil. 
it's because they're reading the Bible because most of the people who say that are not not Christians. They're not religious or they're they're very not Christian. Um, so typically they would be the ones all for the run of the mill CRT stuff or just critical theory in general. But then if you kind of flip that around, it's like, well, if you see the Bible as bad and evil, that's because you're reading the Bible as the oppressor. If you're reading the Bible as the oppressed, all this is getting judgment and getting justice for these people who have been so mistreated and downtrodden and, you know, had war unjustly waged against them. So what do you think about it, Chris? If you have a problem with all the, quote, evil stuff in the Bible, that's because you're reading it as an oppressor, you dirty oppressor, rather than the innocent oppressed. What do you think, Chris? That may be the smartest thing you've ever said, like, in your whole life. Like, seriously, that's, that's all right, extremely hang on. insightful. Clip. Clip. You need to, Clip. yeah. That is, that is hands down brilliant analysis. Oh, like, and Haiti is here on Bravo. for you to say it again, Nate. Ooh, yeah. No, Nate didn't say it. See, everybody's going to get Nate in trouble. Um, I said that the <laughs> patriarchy is good and right and should be encouraged at all costs. No, no, I mean, Nate, stop it. So do you find fault with that or does that sound, does that sound right to you that Chris, you, you want to expound on that? Like, I, I mean, I know it's first thought, but I don't know. Like I'm having a no, hard time finding, great. finding like a, a counter to it because you know, if you, if you, I'll say it for Haiti's benefit. Welcome Haiti. Um, I was saying that I heard over the weekend. So, you know, it's not original to me, but I like it. I think I'm going to adopt it. Um, adopt this cute little baby talking point um, that if you're someone who reads the Bible as, as evil and bad and you know, the, this God is mean um, and, and all these evils in the Bible, that's because you're reading it as an oppressor, not the oppressed. Anyway. That's Wait, what well, I'm the oppressor? Whoever. Who's, has who are they with, oppressing? Like, the, ah, the Israelites, who were like, you know, unjustly persecuted, made war against, all this stuff. So lots of the things that happen are because, you know, especially like the part uh, about like, you know, dashing babies against rocks and all this stuff. What? It's because it happened. Hold on. It's because it happened to them. So they're lamenting this, like, you know, God, how long until we get justice? When will you help us? When will we get justice? When will we be saved? So, like, the, the whole thing is about the, these God's people who are constantly being, like, unjustly oppressed and persecuted. So all this stuff uh, done against, uh, you know, against their, their other opponents is justice and is, you know, getting justice back um, for all the stuff that's happened to them. So then that means if you're reading it and you see it as evil and immoral and all this stuff, you're you're reading it as the oppressor because if you were reading it as the oppressed, this would be a call to justice. It would be like justice being doled out. First of all, didn't they constantly mess up? Like constantly? Yes, as do we all. So, right, so they're uh, really the heroes of the story, are they? No, they're the oppressed of the story. No, no, hold on, wait. That's a really good point, Haiti, and that's exactly it. God is the hero of the story. Like that, you're reading that correctly, but what what Nate is trying to say is like when you're reading ancient the ancient text when you're reading through the text, are you reading it from the point of view of the Egyptian or are you reading it from the point of view of the Israelite? And that's going to color the uh, like the interpretation you come away with. The firstborn Egyptian children who were like two and three years old didn't oppress anyone. You're you're missing. You're an oppressor right now. Right. So. So, wow. Haiti, what, what they're talking about is, like, there are some Christians who are now reading the scripture through the lens of critical race theory. 
and they're using the oppressor oppressed narrative that is part of critical theory to interpret the scripture. And the counterpoint, all the counterpoint that Nate was making was that if you are reading it through the lens of critical theory and you are thinking that God is terrible and all these other things, it's because you are reading it through the lens of the oppressor rather than the lens of the oppressed. That's what the point is saying. Yeah, I, I understood the point, but who else oppressed the Israelites apart from Egypt? What? Yeah, I'm asking. I don't what? know the Bible. No, my, my, my evidence will just be the entire Bible. Like oh, so the, the Canaanites the oppressed them today? And Canaanites, the Malachites, Moabites, Ammonites. Like, if there's an ite in the Bible, good chance they oppressed the And Israelites. how did they oppress them? I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I think I'm speechless. Well, look, it's just all through the Bible. Know, the only people who enslaved them was the Egyptians. Was there another group that enslaved them? Okay, so oppressed means slavery, not trying to make war and eradicate them and stuff like that. Oh, <laughs> oh, they were trying to eradicate the Israelites. I thought the Israelites well, were the ones eradicating other groups. No, remember, remember the whole thing about like in Psalms where it talks no, about like, bashing little Bible. babies. And, uh, I'm, I'm telling yes, you, you, the, you the part, the the. We'll read it. That will help you greatly. But there's this part in Psalms <clears throat> that people like to cite and talking about like, oh, you Christians like to dash little babies' heads against the stones and blah, 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 and like rip open mothers' wombs and stuff like that. <clears throat> but if you read it, you find out the Israelites are complaining to God saying, when are they going to get justice? Because this same thing was done to them by other people. So they're saying the part about like, you know, dashing babies' heads against rocks and stuff like that. That was done to them by other people. So if we're saying that that is not oppression, okay. But we also live in a topsy-turvy, upside-down reality. Um, Look, Wait, if, if I'm at war with you, it doesn't mean I'm necessarily oppressing you. It means I'm at war with you, right? Okay. Hey, if, wait, hang, on, hang on, Seth. Sorry, sorry. Let me just say one thing. If someone breaks into your house, Haiti, and they enslave you, you would say you're being yeah, oppressed. Yeah, that's the if Egyptians. Someone breaks into your, it, it, hang on. Who enslaved them? That's Haiti. what I'm asking you. I, I'm, I'm talking to you. If Egyptians break into your house and they don't enslave you, but they punch you, they kick you, they beat you up, they rob you, they ransack your house, and you're living in constant fear, are you saying that you are not oppressed because technically you're not enslaved? Yeah, you're just being like look, beaten up and robbed? Oppression involves some kind of like ongoing power, not like, oh, we're at war and we're doing like, you know, war okay, crimes. Okay, I can't. I turn you over no, some I other got stuff. It, I got so you it. really think that war just is so just. Are you saying the Russians are oppressing the Ukrainians right now because they're at war with them? I would say that's a really good time to say oppressed. Like if Ukrainians are living in I don't in think you know what oppressed means. Well, no, I, I have a simpler one. Haiti, wait, Ukraine, no, Jim me! Wait. Yeah, Steph, Steph, oh Steph, my Steph, gosh, let Steph go. Yeah, Mother okay. Steph's been trying to speak. Go ahead, Haiti. Mother Steph. Yeah, no, 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 let's, Steph, you got to start with your correct title. Slumlordess Jezebel. Oh, for heaven's sake. Haiti, if you read the book of Esther... It's a very short book, and it's a pretty riveting story. And this is a good example where under King Xerxes, we see the Jews that are living as an integrated culture with Gentiles, where they have certain rights. There are certain rights that they don't have, and you can see through the story they live in this constant sort of fear for their well-being, for their safety, for their livelihoods, and for their lives. And what happens in the book of Esther is that Esther goes on this, like, you know, you're going with her on this journey of trying to figure out how she can maneuver politically to keep her people safe. And what ends up happening, spoiler alert, is that the tables are turned by the king so that the Jews in this, they're, they're the underdogs of this kingdom, this massive kingdom. 
and they end up being given the upper hand to obtain equality, right? But that is just like Ben Esther becomes a hero because politically she was able to achieve this thing as one woman, and it was sort of amazing. And obviously, it's it's about her trust in God, right? But like that's a really good example, and there are so many. But that's an example of where there's not necessarily war, but oppression. But that the Book of Esther is a nice like condensed story of the Jews, how how they function in history, and what their relationship to God is under societal impression uh, oppression from their neighbors and the and the cultures that they're living within so if you're looking for a solid example just read the book of esther it's nice and short and that's a pretty good overview i think i remember some this when my kids went to a jewish preschool and they did um oh there's a um Um. thank you yes so that's fine that was an example I i was asking for if there's a situation where they were like, I don't know, some sort of minority living in another country getting oppressed, right? Um, but was that what the Malachites did? Is that what the Canaanites did? I mean, I, I'm genuinely asking. I don't know. My, I thought it was for like wars. And it seemed like they were doing a fair bit of their own oppression during those wars. You know, genocide, well, taking the girls themselves, right. etc. So I don't know. I just don't agree with Nate. I don't agree with Nate. That Wait, oppression okay, hang on, sorry. People really are at war with me. Up. People are. Oh, why am I? I can't talk. What's going? On? I haven't finished. I'm, I'm dying here. Uh, okay, hang I'll on. Just, Steph, Haiti, come, and, and... interrupt me then. Go ahead. Okay, me, Stephan Haiti. We all have something we, we're very passionate about, and then the CEO was somewhere in there. Okay, I have to say this since you called me out and said I don't know what oppression is. And yeah, think Russia, Ukraine. You you seem to segregate between war. Yes, if I there am. is a war, it, hold on. If there is a war, and I'm saying you shouldn't. If there is a war raging, think about all the people. I have a definition I want to read. It's neutral ground. It's from chat GPT. If we can't trust that to be neutral in this when it has no idea what we're talking about, um, I just want to read this really quick thing. And you just did the oppressor thing again. You just said, weren't they doing a fair bit of killing and stuff on their own? That's that's the whole part that we were talking about. It's what lens you're reading it. Are they getting justice? Are they getting revenge? Are they are they, are they you know fighting for their lives, for their freedoms? Or are they doing it to be cruel and evil? Okay, let me read this, and then you and you and Steph can talk. Okay. Oppressed. Definition. That's the only clue I gave it. Here's what it says. It's like two paragraphs. Oppressed is an adjective that describes a person or group of people who are subject to unjust and cruel treatment, often by those in positions of power or authority. It refers to individuals who are sincerely disadvantaged, marginalized, or mistreated in various aspects of their lives, such as socially, economically, or politically. When someone is oppressed, halfway done, when someone is oppressed, they may experience limitations on their rights, freedoms, or opportunities. Oppression can manifest in different forms, including discrimination, exploitation, lack of access to resources, and denial of basic human rights. The term oppressed is used to highlight and draw attention to the struggles and hardships faced by individuals or communities who are unfairly treated or denied equal rights and opportunities. Efforts to address oppression often involve advocating for social justice, equality, and the elimination of systemic injustices. So that is exactly what I said while you're limiting oppression to specifically— You said war— you're limiting oppression specifically to slavery. You said and I said war. yes. Okay. What about war? You're not wait, about, hang on. You about are war. Killed. None of it. So, you are so, killed. So, no, Haiti. Okay. I am I, I, I'm, I'm like losing it, man. None I'm losing of it. That okay. Th- it's about war. It's about occupying. Okay. You're just going to listen to me. Okay. Like, this is. I wait. have an appointment in, no. in two minutes. I'm sorry. Think Russia and Ukraine. It is a war. You cannot say Ukrainians are not oppressed when there are drones flying over and tanks bombing their cities. You can't say because it's a war. It's a war. 
you can't say that little old ladies aren't living in cruel, harsh, fearful treatment because a war is going on. That is so stupid. I'm sorry, Steph, talking to you, you gotta leave. This is beside the point. Haiti, the history of the Jews, right, is crucial to the, did she leave? No, she, you moved her? All right, the history to the Jews is of crucial importance when we're looking at this, right? So what we have is a bunch of people who believed in God in the beginning and rebelled from God and went off and formed other nations, right? So then what we have is the group of people that remain faithful to Yahweh and they have been given a promise from the beginning this land is yours. You serve Yahweh. Here we go. This is like, so the story is that the people who ended up in wartime, it was because Yahweh decreed, this is the way that's going to go. And the people who are in war, all of the ites are in rebellion to Yahweh, right? So that's the history here. And this is something that they're aware of. This is not like, you know, oh, you know, this group of people, it, 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 we're looking at this in a modern lens. These are groups of people who have branched off from creation, moved away from Yahweh, served other gods, they're fully aware of this, and then the wars that we're, t that we're talking about are not colonial conquest, like we think in 2023. This is justice of, of the wars that are occurring, the Jews are getting, the Israelites are getting beaten up over and over and over and having horrible things happen to them, and Yahweh finally allows them retribution. So again, the context of the story cannot be looked at in an anachronistic way. So I don't, I don't really understand. So let's say the Malachites oppress them for hundreds of years, right? Um, so they are the oppressed. So they, they then uh, enacted retribution. Um, so that's okay. You're allowed to do that. So we, we, if we'd gone to Nazi Germany and just slaughtered all the Germans, we would have been the good guys because, you know, they oppressed us. Well, that's what we war. did, right? Yeah, no, 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 it actually isn't yeah. what we did. We rebuilt Germany. Uh, after we were done slaughtering the Germans. No, when we went over there as conquerors, let's say, as the war was over, we did not say, oh, let's just slaughter everyone as retribution. That'll show them. No, right, we did but not first, do that. We helped them first, rebuild Germany. Well, was there not we, an atomic bomb dropped in Japan? And what did we right. do after that? We went and rebuilt Japan. No, I Did we agree genocide with everyone you. else? I agree no. with you, but you're bypassing the part where when you are going after an oppressor, you have to drop a nuke. When you are going, when you're trying to liberate the Jews from Nazi Germany, you have to slaughter Germans. No, you I can't done that. That's a war again. That's just that's just what happens in so wars. So who was right in that war, Haiti? Who, who was the right? allies was were? It? But had the allies okay, gone okay. in and so, said so, kill? So hold on. Kill, I'm talking, kill the grown-ups and I take the little girls for yourself. If the allies we would have been were wrong. Right. Oh if my God, the, I can't talk in here today. I'm just going to go. Bye. Bye. So if the allies were right, okay, and we slaughtered, and, and the allied soldiers slaughtered a bunch of Nazis in a town, and they found a little girl who was alone in the streets, and they took her in, and she was adopted somewhere in England because her entire family was, was dead. This is akin to what we're describing, right? And to say that the allies were like, well, the allies didn't slaughter everybody. Yeah, well, they, they kind of did. Like, I don't understand the analogy there because that actually proves our point. But anyway, I got to run to this. Well, point. no, I, I, think, I think she was What's trying to say that it didn't go on for decades after. That's the point she was trying to Yeah, but it didn't the with the Jews the either, right? Like, the, with 
with the Jews as well. They integrated people into their society, and then they lived and cultivated the land as any nomadic well, culture. Well, I would. think she's unclear and this is, on that. I think she doesn't. Yeah, know this that, is what yeah. I was trying to illustrate with her about anachronistic. Like, of course, we didn't go move into Germany and take it over because that—that's not what we did. Like, you can't look at it through this anachronistic lens. If there was warring between ancient Near Eastern cultures, and one side is saying they have the side of the Almighty God, which of course we are going to look at as our own history, right? The people having this discussion in this room and the other side has rebelled and is following ball then of course we're going to be like yes this was just blah 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 but the point is then any warring ancient society what they would do is they would take over they would integrate the the remaining members of that society into their own society they would cultivate the land and establish it as a civilization this is not unique to biblical history this has happened everywhere the, the Native Americans did this. The Alaskan Natives did this. The Russian, like everywhere did this. So this is, I, it troubles me with this argument because it is such a narrow, like um, it's, it's a narrow and I don't want to use this word of Haiti because I love her and she's much smarter than me. But the way she's looking at that is like intentional ignorance. It's like focusing in on this thing that actually applies to all of humanity. Anyway, that's the end of my TED. If I may ask, I'm just going to say the original point of this stands. Yeah, go ahead, Earl. I'm just trying to understand, like, what this conversation started on. What's the point and what are you guys trying to argue or prove? The original point was an idea I put forward that I heard over the weekend that says if you're someone who reads the Bible and you see God and the Israelites as mean or evil or, or something like that, then you're reading the Bible as an oppressor. If you read the Bible as the oppressed, then you understand God did everything for justice and uh, and uh, you know the Israelites, when they were persecuted and oppressed, they got their day of vengeance, they got their day of justice, and it was made up for. So that was the whole premise of this. And I'm gonna say that premise stands at least for this because that's exactly what Haiti did. Like she played right into it and ended up saying that, you know, well, look, didn't the Israelites do this? Didn't the Israelites kill lots of people? Sure, you're reading that as an oppressor. If you read that as the oppressed, you would see all these other people unjustly waged war on them, and, you know, God allowed them to, you know, get their day of justice sometimes. That That's the whole press. Like, what, yeah. what just bothered and, me to no end was saying— Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Well, I mean, it should be noted, like— no one believed, no one, I mean, well, at least me and Nate and Steph, we don't believe in the oppressor, oppressed narrative, Felix, as well. I, I don't, and, and it may be all of us, but I don't, I haven't spoken specifically with anybody else about this, but like, we don't believe in the oppressor, oppressed narrative. That's a, that's a neo-Marxist narrative that replaces the bourgeoisie and the proletariat for the oppressor, oppressed narrative. This is from Gustavo Gutierrez. Um, in Latin America that was attempting to meld Catholicism with uh, communism and so with, with classical Marxism. And so the oppressor-oppressed narrative is not something that any of us believe. The point was just kind of a, a thumb in the eye of the Marxist scholar that says, hey, if you're reading the Bible and think that God and the Israelites are terrible for all the oppression that they're doing. You're just simply reading it from the oppressor narrative. Ha ha. You know, and so it's more of a, it's more of a, a point against the neo-Marxist to show that their scholarship is very silly 
than it is making an actual point about anything that anybody truly believes. Well, Chris, I find that a bit odd, though. You don't think Christians were oppressed in Rome? They're, they're, no, okay, so being 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 oppressed is being an oppressor and oppressed. Those are words with dictionary definitions. That is wholly different than, than like the doctrine of it that people teach in critical theory. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, that's all I was going to say. Nailed it. Like, there's a difference between you know people are genuine. The Jews have genuinely been oppressed throughout history. That's an easy one, right? Um, you know, but there is there is something different called the oppressor oppressed narrative which contextualizes every piece of history, not just in the, um, the ideas. Oh, crap, I totally missed my turn off. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> I'm sitting here listening intently, and I totally missed my exit. Um, not just in, like, they, they look at, they, look at the, they, they take a lens to history and look at every single relationship amongst people groups as the oppressor-oppressed narrative, as opposed to taking a more nuanced version of history. There are some instances, you know, like the programs of, you know, Russia with the Jews, you know, that's, that is an oppressor-oppressed narrative. Like, that's, that's an easy one. But the idea that, uh, you know, we have the oppressor-oppressed narrative in every single relationship amongst people groups, and that it's a binary that you're either oppressed or the oppressor, and there's no there's no middle ground. That is a neo-Marxist narrative that was put forth by Gustavo Gutierrez. Chris, let, let, let me put myself on the altar real fast of a critique. So to Steph's point, this isn't theologically related, but am I crazy? Like I had such a hard time that the pushback was so great that she would not concede that war is people being oppressed because it's a war. Am, am I crazy to think that, uh, am I taking crazy pills or am I, am I right? Like if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong and I will listen. That you're wrong. Because there's, the, you're wrong because there's, crazy. okay, thanks. That's one. So because there is a war to say that people aren't being oppressed because it's a war. That's ridiculous. People are totally being oppressed right now. Well, I, I mean, well, it depends on the narrative that you're talking about, right? So if we're talking in the classical neo-Marxist narrative, then Haiti would be correct that that is not the textbook neo-Marxist definition of oppression. Okay. You are taking a more general... Right. You are taking a more general approach about a political system that is keeping one group under its thumb and, you know, the Russians attacking the Ukrainians would fall under that definition. So you could both be right. Like is my point because she's using a different definition of oppression than you are. Yeah. Apparently if it's not slavery, it's not oppression for her, (laughs) but yes, noted. I will take that Harold, I think. And Chris, Um, I mean, for the record, I also think it's people are being oppressed in the dictionary definition when, you know, the Ukrainian government go to people's houses and, you know, rip their own citizens out and say, here, fight for us or die. I think those people are being oppressed. Just for the record. Yeah, I would not disagree with that. I mean, again, I think that the entire discussion went off the rails because we lost the script, like Harold was saying, that, you know, like, what are we talking about right now? What we were talking about was, you know, that the idea that reading the scripture from a different point of view within the neo-Marxist oppression narrative is kind of funny. Like it's a funny, 
it's a funny point that somebody like Chris Rufo would make, you know, that, that makes sense. I mean, I, I think also Haiti needed more contextualization because she hasn't read the Bible. So I think that aspect was missing. Well, I couldn't believe that. Like, I'm, I'm genuinely shocked. Like, I, I thought a lot of the verses, you know, because uh, the problem of evil. Like, I, I assure she often quotes many of the scriptures when it, because she's, you know, she's like chief problem of evil person. Like, that's that's her thing is the problem of evil and best possible world. She, so she only I, knows I, I'm, the parts sure. that reinforce her narrative. <laughs> okay, well, then I, I guess, well, then I guess I, I would go back to, you know, and say, you know, take a college, uh, you know, master class from Michael. Um, you know, if you're not going to believe the Bible uh, and you're going to, like, challenge it and argue against it. I mean, goodness, at least read it once. And if that's a tall order, well, then maybe withhold some judgment and take a step back from being so vicious about attacking the Bible. Like if you want to, I mean, you know, I don't go super hard about Islam. The parts I, I do know, I have big problems with. Um, but I don't go, you know, I don't start like, you know, why why I hate Islam rooms and why Islam is demons. Uh, because, you know, I, I haven't read um, all their hadiths and their whole, you know, I've, I've read the Quran. I haven't read the entire Quran, but see, like case in point. So, you know, if I wanted to like go on a full offensive against Islam, I would feel like it was incumbent on me to at least read their book. Um, and then I've given a fair shot. I've read their book and let the crusades begin. Um, but, you know, that's not my thing. That's not what I, I think my purpose is. So, you know, when it comes to me, I address it. I fight back against the stuff presented to me that I know of, um, you know, when I'm confronted with it. But I'm not going to wage like a holy war on it. If I wanted to, I think it would be disingenuous to not at least read it. So same thing. If people want to wage a war on Christianity, at least read our book. Goodness. Welcome back, Michael. But it's really long. It's boring. There's genealogies. Well, that's fine, man. If it's long and boring, fine. Don't read it. But also take a step back and you know slow your roll a bit before condemning it. But it, it it's funny, Chris, that you say that because there are like when I tell people um, that they should you know because I also believe what Nature said that you know if you're going to if you're going to criticize something, you should. And, and I have no idea. I, I guess I had to jump off. Close to the I was wrong hoping comment. you didn't leave because I went on a little bit of a uncharacteristic. No, 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 moment. no. I gen, no, I gen, I genuinely had something I had to do. Um, <clears throat> so I, I don't know what I missed, and I guess it doesn't matter. But what what I've commonly said, and I, like I said, I, I agree with Nate. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna criticize something, you should understand it. I have no idea to what extent Haiti has or hasn't looked into to things. I just she we, said we she hasn't seen. read the Bible. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I would per, like, I, I would suggest that anyone that's going to criticize something, look into what they're I'm criticizing. I'm sorry. Let me correct that. She said she hasn't read the whole Bible. So. Well, yeah. And, and it's funny. So, and, and it's funny, like I, I have, and now when I, more than once, and when I tell people now to read the Bible, like I specifically tell them like, look, there's parts of numbers you're just going to want to sl- skip right over, right? And when, when it when it goes into the begats and all that stuff, you're just going to want to skip to the next page because it's <clears throat> painful. And the first time I went through it, it, that was one of the things that almost just made me just close it and say, I don't have time for this mind-numbing garbage. Um, so I just fl- flipped ahead to get to the end of the begats. And, you know, and like in some, some of Chronicles is, is pretty ridiculous too. And, you know, but... You can still, I think, take in the majority of the message without reading every single line of it. Um, you know, I wouldn't recommend skipping 
uh, big portions of it because there's you know more important stuff, especially if you're going to criticize it. But yeah, I, I think you should. I, I think you cer certainly should read it. And I've done the same with the Quran. Like some of the Quran is a, is a little bit weighty too. Mm. Um, yeah, but you know, but but I have read the majority of that as well. But it's it, it is the the other thing that was funny, kind of what we said is you know, kind of the you know, looking at it and you know, looking at God as you know this big meaning and stuff like that. And and I I don't I think about what something uh, Seneca, who was a, a philosopher, I think it was first century philosopher Seneca the Younger, said. Uh, he said, religion is to the layman true, to the wise man false, and to the rulers useful. I think that's true. And so, like, when I look at it, like, I don't look at it as, wow, man, you know, this, you know, this, this, you know, this God is terrible. I, I look at it with a slight bit of nuance, right? The entity depicted in, in, the, in the book is pretty maniacal. But I, I just kind of take solace in my level of conviction that it doesn't matter because it's not real anyway right and it's the people that have weaponized the entity that are more at fault i think and i'll step down off my soapbox now i mean i agree with i agree with michael about reading things like one of the one of my hobbies is reading third third wave feminism and second wave feminism um, so like second wave Whoa. would be like Catherine. McKay. Oh, okay. I was going to ask you, what is second and third wave? Oh boy. Okay. So without getting into a whole thing about the different waves, basically like there was the first wave, which would be like Betty Friedan and like, you know, the feminine mystique and all that stuff, which is like the seventies, sixties and seventies, um, and, and early eighties. Then in your second wave is like kind of the next generation, um, your Catherine McKinnons and, uh, you know, just all kinds of. All kinds of other uh, feminists that you know you may be aware of, um, and then uh, your third wave is your more modern feminists. Um, and so, the major difference between second and third wave, and there's even a difference in the third wave. And there's a fourth wave emerging right now, but um, is going to be what's, like trans issues. Yeah, there's a fourth yeah. What's wave the hallmark, What's the hallmarks of the fourth wave? <clears throat> I, I haven't read that much of the fourth wave yet because it's still it's still a question as to whether it's fourth wave or if it's just more nuance on third wave. There's you know academics argue about these types of things. I don't know. It, it's so not it, it hasn't it hasn't shaken out yet to be to be honest with you. So basically, like first and second wave feminists, would it be fair to say they would not be accepted by the third wave feminists or like like what's is there a feminist group now? Because you know like a lot of the feminists are being persecuted because they're like they're not behind trans issues as much as people think they should be because, you know, they're about like woman empowerment, woman rights, woman, this woman, that and they're like, dudes aren't women and they're getting crap for that. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, know. The, the, yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, there's all kinds of, dis I mean, they're feminists. They're going to disagree about pretty much everything. Anyway. Um, Did someone take a picture of you and put you with a crop top, like blue haircut. Do you have that? Could you ooh. post that? Or has I, that not been uh, done? Maybe I just ma imagine that, like in my mind. That's disturbing. <laughs> like, if you did. A picture um, of your face with like a blue haircut. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, um, but uh, no. Um, so my point being, though, is that I've read a lot of feminist literature and a lot of feminist academics. Um, because if I'm going to criticize that stuff, then I had better read it. Like, um, same thing with um, critical theory, like. 
I have read all of the, I've read Bell and like, you know, uh, Macintosh and all of the major contributors to the academic side of, you know, critical theory and critical race theory and white privilege and all these things. Because if I'm going to talk about it, and, and I used to do rooms on critical theory and clubhouse in the early days when I realized that was just dumpster fire and it was stupid. Um, because no one else had read the literature. I'd be the only, I'd be in a room of 50 people and everybody's spouting opinions. And literally I was the only one who had actually read any of the literature. So I was like, well, this is stupid. I'm not going to do this on clubhouse. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, if you're going to criticize something, read about it. I mean, it took me a good year to work my way through all the critical theory stuff, but it's a year. Like you can do that. You can do that standing on your head. Did you Let's have a favorite D-ru- theorist? Sorry, sorry, CEO. What? Did you avoid something? Did you have a favorite theorist from that group? Um, I thought Peggy McIntosh was the most compelling writer. I meant on the critical race side. Well, Peggy McIntosh is the one who invented white privilege. Right. So, you know, I, I thought she was the most compelling writer. I mean, Bell. Some of the stuff is academic, and it's and it gets into like legal theories, which I, you know, I was trying to grasp some of it because I, I don't have a legal background, but you know, the, the, it just goes all the way. It's, it's a Gramsian, it's a Gramsian ideal and neo-Marxism. And it just goes back to that. So like, if you, if you go back to, to Gustavo Gutierrez or you go back or like even like it gets into, um, do you know who Cone is? Oh, Lord. I don't. I don't. So he wrote a he wrote a book. Well, he wrote a bunch of books, but one of his books is called uh, Black Liberation Theology, or Black Liber- you know Black Liberation. Um, and uh, you know he that book got famous because that was if you know who remember who Jeremiah Wright is, who was yeah. the pastor for Barack. Yeah, yeah, he was the yeah, pastor for Barack yeah. Obama. Right. So so. Cone got famous, and that's when I got aware of Cone. Is when all that went down, um, and during the original—I don't even remember what year—2008 election, I guess. Um, and then, you know, he also wrote a book called *The Cross and the Lynching Tree*, um, which is a—it's a provocative book, but like, I mean, it's just—it's just warmed over, racialized Gustavo Gutierrez. So, if you read the original liberation theology, you know, tomes. Or it t- tends to, or tries to, he tries to meld Catholicism and Marxism. Um, and that gives you a lot more insight into, say, Pope Francis, because Pope Francis um, read a lot of Gutierrez. And so he will claim that he's not a Marxist, but he will not claim that he is not a liberation theology proponent. So liberation theology is a whole different kettle of I just want to call on D real fast, and then we'll get to Islamic. D, you've been up here a while. Do you have anything you'd like to say? Yeah, um, I was just going to agree with you when you were talking about reading, seeing it from the lens of an oppressor compared to the person that is oppressed, because I never thought it was an issue. Like, when you attack God's people, expect to be attacked back that was very simple so i definitely wanted to say i agree with you you know how they bring me up on the stage nate i'm like oh let me disagree 
<laughs> I don't, I've never seen it any other way. So um, that's all I wanted to say. I don't have anything else to add. Well, sure. Thanks for that. Uh, Islamic. Yeah, hello, Hi. guys. How are you? I am great. Thank you. What's on your so, mind today? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, is only what, uh, what the topic is or? Because Whatever you want here. it to be. All right. So uh, I hope you're well versed in the Bible. Right. Uh, not so, too shabby. What, what you said? Not too shabby. What do you mean? Yeah, uh, it means, sure, decent. We're decent. Hey, before, oh, you, I, before I mean, you get you, with you, us, long, hey, as long as one second. Hey, so in the chat, Christina <clears throat> was asking what your what your PTR is. Um, Nate, you might want to just say that before, because I'm sure whatever we're going to get into it with Islamic is going to take a while. So. Oh, yeah, one second, Islamic. Oh, yeah, I, sorry, I forgot about that. <clears throat> Pardon me. Yeah, so it was a, it was a meme. <laughs> it's actually the hand of, I, I'm going to get this wrong, I think it's like St. Catherine or Catherine of someplace in I think France, but the the larger context is it's a meme because you know the common thing among Catholics is how they don't worship saints they just venerate them or whatever and they, they say no no it's totally not worship and the context of this meme is you know taking that quote and says you're right guys my bad Catholics totally don't worship saints and then they have a petrified severed hand of a saint that they totally don't worship but they cherish very very much anyway so it's basically kind of like a okay you can say you don't worship it but it really seems like you do kind of worship saints because you got their severed hand that you pray to anyway so it's kind of like a joke but if you're catholic you may not laugh um anyway that's that's what that is <laughs> um okay islamic uh, go ahead yeah yeah so yeah I, I mean i like catholics but uh, that's beside the point right so we like so them my too. Point, um, yeah, I could just never finish a whole one. Okay, I, I mean, can I continue, guys? Or yes, please go ahead. Yes. So, uh, my question is a very specific question, right? So, I read the Bible, and um, so I, I want to know if uh, because we all know that Paul preached about Jesus wherever he could preach about Jesus, and uh, I want to know. If he ever preached about Jesus to be the first and the last as God, not as, a, you know, as a firstborn creation or something like that, because that would go against the revelation. Do you have in your mind any verse that Paul preached about Jesus to be first and last as God, not as creation? That, does it come any verse in your, in your mind by now? So your question is, did Paul specifically talk about Jesus in a way that would make him deity? No, that's not my question. Okay, okay, can you can you say what you said again then? Okay, so my question is, okay, yet again, I'm not saying that Paul didn't believe about Jesus being God or being however he view, right? So, did did uh, Paul preach about Jesus to be first and last as God? Not as for firstborn creation or if it has divinity, that's not my question. So my question is, did uh, because Paul preached about Jesus, and we we all agree on that, right? So so he preached about Jesus, but did he preach about Jesus because he got a revelation from him, right? A revelation, vision, whatever, you, however you however you want to say it. Did Paul ever preach about Jesus to be the first and the last, right? As Omega, you mean eternal? And Alpha Omega. So, wait, wait a minute. As God, 
as God? That's my question. Uh, so Paul, like in Colossians 1.15, the Son is the invisible, or the Son is the image of the invisible God. So like, if you're looking for, you know, I just want to understand your question. If you're looking for something like, you know, where you, where you may ask, like, did Jesus ever say, I am God over and over and over? And he's, we point you to verses. Just asking that, if yeah, right, right. I, I'm asking Jesus if, was first and last. That's all. Right. That's what. I, that, that's yeah. I, I understand now. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you want something that specifically says says Paul says Jesus is the first and last, I don't believe you're going to find that quote. If you're looking for something that says Jesus is the first and the last, then you will find that. Like, if Paul is identifying Jesus as God, you will find that. If you want a specific quote that Paul says Jesus is the first and the last, I am not immediately aware of any scripture that will say that. Um, you have John who gets the revelation, uh, you know, in Revelation yeah, that says that. I am aware of that. That's but, why. That's why I'm asking. That, that's that's the that's the that, that's the reason why I'm asking, right? So so why? Right. Yeah. So, what is the reason why you're asking? Are you trying to say that because Paul didn't use the specific words? Alpha and Omega, first and last, that somehow he disagrees or contradicts John? Is that your premise? No. So my my uh, my question is basically this way, right? Did uh, Paul ever preach about Jesus to be first and last as God? That's my question. I mean, uh, but it, not the first and last as creation, because we definitely have as a creation, we have the priest, right? My, my, what's his name? Uh, the old the priest. Asian priest uh, Melchizedek, something like that, right? Melchizedek. So in the Old Testament. Yeah, ma yes, yes, exactly. So I couldn't uh, yeah, pronounce his name. Yeah, that's just a dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, uh, yes, and he is a yeah, creation. Let me, so let me just read some things, and maybe you're familiar with these, maybe you're not. But that, I, I'm wondering how pedantic you are, right? Because if you're saying, like, first and last, like you're hung up on that, but you say as God. So I'm thinking, are you saying Paul preaches, you know, because the Bible tells us, you know, there's one mediator between... Uh, God and humans, and it's the man Jesus. So I'm wondering if, like, the simple question is, does Paul believe Jesus is God? Because when you throw the first and the last, you're, you're asking another qualifier that's irrelevant. So I'm, I'm trying to whittle it down and say, does Paul believe Jesus is God? Because, yes, in Colossians, he said, the Son is the visible image of the invisible God. In Philippians 2, 5, he says, uh, in your relationship, uh, he talks about Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, um, and then in Titus, we have, or uh, let's see, Romans, uh, he talks about the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God overall forever praised. So if you want the specific words, the, the Alpha and Omega, or the first and the last, you won't find those, but that's irrelevant. So if, if the real question you're asking is, does Paul think Jesus is God? Uh, yes, what I just read, Paul totally thinks Jesus is God. Uh, uh... Well, this is not what I'm asking. So, Nate, so let me clarify. Uh, I'm going to give you an example, right? I think it's better to bring uh, Sam up. Just invite him up. He probably will answer that, right? Maybe. Who is Sam? So, uh, Sam, Sam, down there. Sam Shamil, right? So, if you can, like, uh, this is my, uh, if, if I ask you about, uh, about your name, Nate, and you say, you know what, I'm American, Actually, you're being truth. I'm not. I'm not asking you if you are American, but rather I'm asking you what's your name. And you're being truthful, but you're not answering my question. You understand that? So I'm asking because definitely Paul believed about Jesus to be first and last as a creation, as a firstborn creation, right? We all know. No, that. he does not believe that Jesus is a created <laughs> being. 
That is not what Paul says, nor was it what he believes. That is a distortion of the scripture. And so I think what you're trying to do is you're trying to say, if Paul did not say these specific words, then his theology conflicts with other theology in the scripture. Is that what you're getting? We're trying, what is the end game? Can you just, can you fast forward us to the very end and just make your point? Okay, so I mentioned Sam, but he's not here anymore, but that's beside the well, point. Yeah. Well, well before, I, I mean, I'm, I'm hesitant because, well, I'm, I'm busy at the moment, but I'm hesitant to invite someone else because it seems like this is going to get more convoluted, not less. So, I, I mean, the fact that we're having such trouble just getting getting your question, because it seems like you're trying to make the case that Paul doesn't think Jesus is God, no. but we've already proven... Mm-hmm. No, no, okay. no. Okay. Just, okay. Just, make, can we, can we just make your point in twenty seconds. Make like, your like, point without any more well, questions. No more questions. Well, make your dang point. All right. So, so this is my my point. Either, either right. When you get a revelation, you don't understand what Jesus is, or you do. So if you don't, so even if Paul don't understand, uh, uh, and don't because he got a revelation, right? If he got a revelation and he never preached about Jesus, right? And he got in the same time a revelation in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. If anybody preaches you another gospel, meaning another Jesus, let these people be accursed. In Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, it says, For the Satan himself uh, uh, resembles himself as an angel of light. Right. I know that you use these verses against Muslims. And of course, you have right to do so. That's great. But the point is, so Paul, he's saying if we, including himself or anybody else, even an angel from heaven, preaches you another Jesus, those people are accursed. If you ask 99 percent of all Christians today, they do believe Jesus, the first and last as God. But Paul never preached it. That's 100 percent not true. Again. You're yeah, wait, wait a minute. And making Chris, a really, really, really dumb argument, Islamic. And Chris, I'm just going to stop let, you right there. Dude, just listen to me because you're, okay, you're uh, sounding ignorant and you're trying Jesus, to run an argument. Listen, listen. That's all. Listen. No, no, no. Listen. You're making a really stupid argument. I'm trying to save you from looking like a moron. Okay? So, like, when we say very specific things like Jesus is God, that carries with it. First and last. All first and last means is that God is self-existent. Okay? It's a concept. It's a philosophical concept. Paul would agree and preaches that Jesus is God. He is deity. The fact that he does not use the language of Alpha and Omega does not preclude the fact that he's teaching the exact same doctrine as John. No Christian in history would say that Paul's gospel and John's gospel are in any way different or teaching a different Jesus. What you're attempting to do is you're attempting to drive a wedge where none exists, and it's just a wholly ignorant argument that you are going to be made fun of for making if you try to make it. There are no imams that would try to make this argument. They would laugh you out of the mosque if you tried to run this argument. Okay, it's just not done. And if you're going to do some, if you're going to do polemics against Christianity, please learn something about Christianity instead of trying to run a really dumb argument that no imam would even bother with because they know it's stupid. 
um, in, a, in a little bit nicer way, Islamic. Um, okay, you know, John okay. Chat has, if has you a think, good point. If you he talks about John Nate. Chat has has a little good point. He says, you know, according to you, which is is fair by your logic, um, you know, every verse by everyone, even the prophet, peace be upon him, every th verse he starts out would need to say, Allah is ever existent. Allah is first and last. Allah is Alpha and Omega. And if it doesn't say that, it's discounted. That would be that's the type of logic you're using. Okay, so let me review that very, very quickly, right? So Pieces first of all, no, no. So my 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 point is, we we all know how the Bible is written, right? And we all know how the Quran is written, right? Do we? Do we? Because I think we would Chris, vehemently Chris, disagree bro, on that. Don't cut me off, man. You don't know how. Well, no, okay, so let, let, him, let, let me talk for a second. So let me let me tell you why that is uh, why that is uh, not <laughs> the same, right? Example: You have the four Gospels. None of the four Gospels, okay, say, uh, uh, says there that Jesus is the first and the last. It is just what it is. In the four Gospels, Jesus never said it, right? Paul never preached that he's the first and the last as God, but rather as a creation. Right? In, in, no, uh, in Paul Colossians. did not say that. Oh my Again, God, bro. Let, let, you're making bro, let... a deeply stupid argument and you well, need to of stop. Course, I'm of trying course. to help you. You will, are sounding like an ignorant moron right now. Well, like, you know, just with, stop. Well, you know, with gentleness and respect, but um, you know, we've all got a road to travel. But yeah, Islamic, that's that's the end of it. Like, you know, there there is no problem here. Like, you know, I, I don't want to put words in our resident atheist mouth, but you know, I, I think, you know, having read the book, he would agree, even though he doesn't even believe this stuff, he would say, No, clearly the claim is Jesus is God. You can see that all throughout the book. Paul wrote two thirds of the New Testament. Unless you've read the whole New Testament. You haven't read everything Paul says. I would encourage you to do that. There's like five verses I specifically cited talking about Paul referencing the deity of Jesus. There's just no way around it. So the only way you have to say um, it doesn't exist is to just say, well, it says it on paper. I just don't believe it because it says it on paper. You can't say it doesn't exist and be right. So ultimately, at the end of the day, the Bible says, you know, Jesus himself, you want something that Jesus himself says, his sheep hear his voice and they follow him. They listen to him. So if you if you don't get that from the references that specifically I read that say Jesus is God, the image of the invisible God, uh, you know, what, whatever, like being in nature, God. If you can't see that Paul thinks Jesus is God by saying Jesus is God in nature, um, then I guess the Bible is right and you are not his sheep. So his sheep know his voice. So if it sounds a little a little hard to grasp or a little hard to get your ears around. I guess that's the way it meant to, is meant to be, and you are not a sheep. Um, I mean, and, and the thing is, is that we want to interact with the best arguments, not the dumbest arguments. And so, if, if you've got a really good argument from the Islamic point of view, then lay it on us. If you're going to mischaracterize scripture and lie about it in order to make some dumb point and think that you're dunking on Christians, it's a waste of time and just stupid. Like, don't do that. Like, give us a good argument. Uh, yes, Michael. I, I find it interesting. Um, Chris, I love your gentleness. Um, <laughs> but, you're uh, on that. It's, it's, it's Civil it's and respectful discussions yeah. about Christianity. No, it, it is really interesting. So, And it's funny because I've, I've heard arguments like this before. And, and yeah, Nate, I, I agree with you. Um, it, I, I, I don't know whether it's college or not. It, this may actually be something that – I don't think it was something I coined. I think I heard it somewhere else. But it's basically uh, you know, ar you know, arguments on omission. Right. So it's like, well, you know, if it doesn't say something, you know, here, then, you know, that's a problem that you have to answer. And it, it is funny because when I was 
when, when I first started having issues with the Bible, um, I was reading it a lot more, a lot more intensely. And, you know, it's like you could find something written in Genesis, for example, and then you would find, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be too difficult to find. And I'm just making up an example here, but you know, like so you find something in Genesis and then you go to, you know, first Corinthians and you find, you know, kind of a, you know, a verse that correlates and, Oh, okay. It kind of makes sense, you know, because you can, you can go through and you can compare pieces of, of the Bible from different books that deliver the same message. I don't look at that as, as like, wow, clearly an inspired book. I look at the Bible as a carefully crafted piece of literature. Um, so I, of course I look at it differently. But 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 to say, oh, it doesn't have it in this area, that's a problem. And then because the ultimate message, especially for Islamic, and uh, I don't think he got a chance to really say it. But with a name like Islamic, I don't think it's a hard. I don't think it's a massive stretch to say, oh, there's this problem in the book. Therefore, my book of fairy tales is true. Um, no. Hey, Rags, what's up, Rags? Are you speaking? Oh, sorry. I was trying to get to the mute button. I was on my phone. I was on a different screen. I was like, I got to get the mute button. Get to the mute button. Uh, actually, wouldn't he be committing the exact word fallacy? Because there's this words are not exactly in this position, this place, and exactly this way. Wouldn't that be what he'd be committing? That is correct. Yes. And it is, it is an exact word fallacy. You are totally correct. I mean, like if I said, hey, go to the store and buy an apple and uh, someone else is like, um, you know, go shopping, come back with apples. Does that mean I didn't say go to the store and buy apples? I totally want you to get apples. You totally got the apples. You went shopping and got apples. So to say that, that those are two different things is wrong. Oh, but you didn't get the green, the green goddess apples. So therefore you didn't get apples. <laughs> no, it's the honey crisp. Not no, it's the, oh, honey crisp. the honey crisp. Yeah, that's true. You're right. We get the Fuji, Sorry. Fuji apples because those are cheaper. The honey crisp are delicious, though. Like, yeah, but we can really only afford the cheap like Fuji apples. I mean, I'll send you an extra dollar next time you go to the grocery store and try some honey crisps. <laughs> I don't have a profit cash app yet. Get on that, Nate. Oh, Krill is here. Speaking of exact word fallacies. Okay, Chris, here's your here here is time to temper yourself, my son. Um, so so practice the ending part of First Peter three fifteen. Welcome, Krill. Good morning. Been eaten by any whales lately? Good morning. I see you're all happy to see me. I am. What's up? Can't say. I believe you are very happy to see me, as far as I can see. Uh, I'm happy. Can't really say the same, but still. I'm excited. I'm excited to see you, Krill. It's always a good, fun, adventurous time talking about your manifesto. It's not my manifesto, Chris. If it was my uh, my manifesto, I would have been a very, very smart person. But unfortunately, it's not my manifesto. Hey, can, real fast, Krill. Can I can I size this up, I'm Islamic? Since you're in the chat still, um, a great time to use that verse because that was your whole thesis was. Um, if another angel, uh, you know, if another person or even an angel preaches you a different gospel, the correct time to apply that would be for Latter-day Saints 
um, who believe Jesus is a spirit brother of Satan, who believe, you know, God was once a man who got his own planet and you can have your own planet. That would be, and literally an angel came and gave them that gospel. That is the perfect time to use that. Another time to use that is when, you know, the prophet, peace be upon him, says an angel came and revealed things to him and dictated words to him. And it is a very different gospel than what you hear in the Bible. Um, those are two amazing times to use that verse. Um, so, you know, if you're looking for a, we, we've talked about all the negative application and all the incorrect application, but the positive application of that verse, um, you know, pick your poison. Uh, you, you could either apply that to Mormonism or, you know, pieces be upon you, Islam. Um, th that would be the correct time to apply that verse. I'm just, just well, to give you some practical mate, application. That particular verse is a vain attempt to privatize the gospel. Like nobody can really privatize the gospel. Well, it's not, well, well, it's not privatized as long as you know you keep saying, "Hey, uh, repent and believe Jesus," and you know his death for resurrection. And no, 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 ask. no, no, no. When you say yes, yes, uh, yes. No, 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 no. When you yes, say something along the lines, no, no, no. When you say yes. something along the lines, no, no, no. That, oh. uh, if someone preaches differently from what I preach to you, let it be anathema. It means that you're actually privatizing the gospel. So you are. Uh, portraying yourself as the source of the highest truth well, yeah, actually... but that's like well you could say that's like privatizing math if, if a mathematician says you know if anyone preaches to you and tells you that two plus two does not equal does not equal four let them be anathema let them be accursed for they are incorrect and then you say oh you're just privatizing it well they're privatizing no, no, a, no, dear, they're, dear they're unlike, privatizing a fact unlike, so i mean if it's correct unlike... it's correct no, unlike unlike yes. math, the, 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 the gospel and its interpretation is bound to different versions and, and interpretations. If you want to prove to me that your interpretation is more correct than mine, then you have to bring forth the arguments to it. And even the ancient uh, Paul and Peter and whatnot really have to pr provide the argument to defend their cause. Okay, Otherwise, Chris, I wouldn't let's... believe them. All right, Chris, let's let's see your uh, let's see your most restrained version. So Krill, um, when when we have um, when we have writings written by the apostles that lay out a set of strictures for the definition of what Christianity is, and then we go about monkeying with the words, the meanings, and you know we come up with different interpretations that they never meant. That would be the privatization of the gospel, whereas the public proclamation of the gospel is the deposit of faith that was left to us by the apostles in their writings that are easily discernible through good, solid, hermeneutical study of the scriptures, like the Bereans did. Well, you just said many things, but unfortunately it's all based on your strict belief in that uh, the writings that we have are very true and never been meddled with. However, the uh, reason why I'm speaking in these rooms is that I quick, was quickly to find out that most of these writings have been twisted in all sorts of ways in order to portray the message of Jesus in a different way. Okay, so could uh, the, you give us an example was, of one of these ways in which the scriptures I have meddled? I have provided you many examples. The closest you example... Have? The yes, the yes, we have been oh. talking this over many times, but let me provide the quickest example. Just give my, us a really quick. Uh, my, my comrade, my comrade Nate just uh, spoke something on the lies, remittance of sins, uh, salvation, be baptized. And what else did you say? The formula you just chanted. 
no, example, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Nate, what what was the formula you just chanted? Please, uh, nice, repent. Repent and believe. Repent and yeah. believe. Then be baptized. Yeah. And what? What else? I, no, he never said I, anything about baptism. I never said anything about that. that in his mouth. What did you so, say? So, Nate? Uh, that the formula, the quick formula that you have. Instead, uh, just try to focus here. Focus with me, my friend. Yes, I'm focused with you. Focus with you because dear Nate, Okay, good, good. Do, can you wait before we talk about me? Let's focus. Let's just let's. I mean, Nate, Chris, let's, I let's have already look, look, let's look straight examples. forward. Let's look straight forward at the phone, and you see the little circle blinking where I'm talking. Now, focus on my words. Yeah, sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Show us Go a ahead. specific example where the writings of the apostles have been materially changed. Can you do no, that? No, not the writings of the apostles. The writings of Jesus. The words of Jesus have been twisted and turned in all, okay. all forms and, so, so, and matters. So, like the Apostle John, for instance, when he wrote the book of the Gospel of John, can you show us where somebody went back after the Apostle John and monkeyed with the words to change the words of Jesus in the Gospel? Can you show us an example of that, perhaps? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me just be, I already, like I said, we have been talking over this many times. I have shown you many places and you still were in deep denial because you somehow believe that the scriptures are very pure and untouched. But unfortunately, they are not. I mean, both fortunately and unfortunately. Okay, cool, cool, cool. But give us an example. I I understand your preamble. I get it. Give me a concrete one single concrete example of okay if oh, i give you once, once again because i have already given you many examples but let me give you one more example if you don't take it that then i'm uh, like that would be great it. that would be great very great okay let me just look for my notes because i kind of have go, a lot I'm of, lose a lo- connection. A lot of i won't be able to talk for a little bit nate so i'm i'm going into the i'm going to go into the matrix here in about 20 seconds so um but i should be able to hear all right, come on, focus, locust. Yeah, very, 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 very quickly. Uh, yeah, uh, John five uh, thirty nine, for example. That's very, it's very neat place. I really love it. John five thirty nine. But you rather look at the KGV version because the. Uh, King James version can be uh, better than the new English or whatever. Let me look it up in the King, KJV too. But but like can, instead of reading the verse, can you tell us? Five thirty nine. Because we need to fast forward. No, I'm going to. Can read you the tell verse. us what the claim? No, I know you love. I know you love the reading. I know you love the reading, Chris. I, I knew you would say this. So John five thirty nine says, "You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life." Full stop. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Comma. Uh, the problem with it is that in the first sentence, Jesus really questions the validity of scripture. So, like, you study the scripture so much that you really believe somehow, but you are mistaken that by, by in them you will have eternal life. Then he somehow forgets what he was saying before and says that these are the scriptures that testify about me. Yeah. So first of all, he makes a question. He really... Are you uh, possessed right now? So, Krill, you're not answering my question. Really, no, you're, I'm you're answering your question, question right now, Chris. 
I'm right now. I'm answering your question, Chris, because these these two places are a very great uh, reproduction of how that message was twisted. First, the Jesus questions the authority of the scripture. He says, "You study the scripture so hard that you believe that through them you're going to make you're going to reach the eternal life, but you obviously won't because it won't bring you anything." These hard studies, and then he seems to be forgetting of what he just said, and then says, "But these scriptures testify of me." Oh, really? makes zero yeah, sense. I, I, I get your point. I, again, I'm going to go in the matrix here, but because that just shows me that you're not literate. It doesn't tell, it doesn't tell okay. me that like, it doesn't tell me that like the scriptures have been corrupted or changed. It just tells me that you have difficulty with reading comprehension. So, well, that's exactly right. I had to move into the audience because, uh, sorry, girl, but I actually have to run. I, I mean, I don't know if it would have made a difference, but try to get here a little earlier. I, I, I'm going to have to run, but just, okay. So with all the, ah, like when, when you over-exaggerate, you automatically lose credibility. Doesn't automatically mean you're wrong, but you'll lose a lot of credibility in front of the eyes of a lot of people. So let's just read this. Your problem is reading comprehension, my friend. He says in 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. So by thinking you're reading the words that you're going to be able to do stuff, you're going to have the law, you're going to be able to keep the law, and you're going to have eternal life. So he says you search the scriptures thinking that in those words you have eternal life, semicolon, and it is they that bear witness about me. So while they read the words, it's like missing the forest for the trees. So they see the trees of the scriptures that say, do this, do that, a coming Messiah, a coming Messiah is going to save you, do this, do that, believe God. Yet they stop there and they, they read the scriptures thinking that they give them life. But when Jesus shows up, he says, these scriptures that you're reading, they're talking about me, the life giver. And then in verse 40, he says, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So in two verses here, uh, I, I mean, first of all, just repent and believe the gospel. It will serve you well. Don't think, just do it. I usually would encourage people to, you know, critically think their way through it. Not you, buddy. Just pray to Jesus, repent and believe. It will serve you well. So you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, which would be true because they bear witness about me. But they refuse to take it to its logical conclusion which is in verse 40, that Jesus is the life giver. That's the problem. So he doesn't forget what he says in the middle of his, in the middle of his paragraph. You're just reading it wrong. You're, you're, I don't know if English is not your first language, but you're missing the semicolon. So you search the scriptures about me. I sound like a broken record, but I hope something takes. You search the scriptures thinking that in them you will have eternal life, semicolon, and it is they. Like you, the scriptures do have life in them, but it comes from the life giver. That's what he's saying they're missing. So he's like, you're reading the Bible, the Bible's talking about me, yet here I am right in front of you, and you're completely missing it. Um, so there you go. I mean, I mean that's, that's the answer. So if that is the best example you have, uh, please stop thinking and just, I don't know, pray to Jesus. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> everyone, I, yeah, yeah, say something else as I walk to my other room. Uh, thank you. Yeah, go ahead, Rex. Uh, thank you. I think it was gone, but I was just thinking, doesn't the Quran say that the book is the word of Allah? And if the words of Allah cannot be corrupted, so then that means how was the book corrupted? If, and if the Quran cannot be corrupted because it's Allah's word and if the book is Allah's word, how can it be corrupted? So if he's saying the Bible is corrupted, the book is corrupted. How'd that happen? What happened? You understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the the internal logic for some of these things is 
I mean, right? I, I don't know. Is Michael still here? Michael, you still there? <laughs> Michael? Um, yeah. Usually we would both encourage people. I mean, you probably would encourage people on this point because you don't believe it anyways. But I mean, usually we would say, you, you know, you want to know what you believe and you want to know why you believe it. But sometimes I'm just hit with such an anti-logic bomb or anti-comprehension bomb that I would be wrong to say that, no, uh, you know, do I want people to believe things because even if they don't really understand them, yada, yada. Um, sometimes, like in the case of that last guy, in the case of Krill, I bet, like, you know what? You don't really need to think about this. Just do it. Just repent and believe. Um, <laughs> I believe I'm right. Basing your reasons for thinking it's wrong. Um, just just believe. Just grab a Bible. Just pray. Well, Are you ever like that about maybe some other area of your life where it's like the evidence is so overwhelming um, if a case could be made to challenge your position, you would listen and at least have respect for that contouring, uh, you know, counter position. But because the reasoning is just so incredibly, amazingly bad, you would be like, man, I want to reason my way through this to make you see the light of my side. But if I could just push a button, I'd push it. I don't need I don't need you to to understand it. Just come along. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yes, yeah, so to answer your question, yes. Uh, flat Earthers, Young Earth Creationists, and then <laughs> um, uh, Touche. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, not to put too fine a point on it, but yeah, there, there are those. There are those that I've encountered, and I'm, and I'm sure you've encountered people like this as well, right, that, um, that have their blinders on. And um, Aaron Raw right? Who, who's a, a friend. Um, he, he said in his book, Foundational Falsehoods, he said, ignorance isn't what you don't know. It's what you won't know. And I think there's a lot of truth in that because there are people who will, you know, despite what, you know, despite what, you know, what you show people and can be demonstrated to be the case, they're not interested in that because it goes against their, you know, strongly held convictions. And, and to those, and, and, but it's funny because what, what you were saying is, I think at least partially true, right? Like you said, you know, to some people say reason, to some people just say, you know, repent and believe. I, I think in this, in this way, you know, our, our friend who left has, has it, has at least a leg up on me when it comes to that, because he already accepts the existence of the supernatural. So it's just like transferring from one bag of supernatural to another bag of supernatural, right? It should be easy for him. I actually, I, I don't remember. I don't think he does accept the supernatural. I think he just says like Jesus was was a guy that taught like you know do good human stuff, but there is no supernatural. I could be wrong, but anyways, um, yeah, you know, I can I can meet Aaron Raw, peace be upon him, uh, middle ground, and be like, well, you know, it, it, if it's tongue in cheek, then sure, surely he doesn't mean ignorance is you know you don't know stuff because of course that that does mean that. But for a good pithy saying, I I would agree and use that myself. Like it's what you what you won't know. It's what you don't know and won't know. Um, I, I would also say it's like uh, you know when people say perception is reality. Um, you know, obviously perception is not reality. Reality is reality. But for all intents and purposes, people will treat their perception as reality. And you know, some people get that and they're like, oh, that's catchy. And other people are like, no, no, perception is not reality. I'm like, oh, I know, man. Just just come along. It's a saying. It's catchy. Um, appreciate it for what it is. Um, anyway, all right, I've got to run. Hey, tomorrow's my anniversary, so I may or may not be here. We'll see uh, how, how late my wife sleeps in tomorrow. But, uh, yeah. Well, well, happy anniversary if you're not here. How many years? Fifteen. Oh, interesting. Okay, very good. Yeah. Just need to make it till midnight. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. 
<laughs> just don't just don't do anything stupid until then and you'll be fine. You know, aim high, <laughs> lofty goals. Just make it till twelve oh one. Yeah. Life goals. Life goals. <laughs> All right, everyone. See you guys later. Take care.